Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. The cream of the crop. Final move. Realest guys in the room. How you doing? Do I have everybody's attention now? Hello and welcome back to the Wrestling with Edwards podcast with your host Scotty Wrestling. This week we have a very, very special week as we go through Hell in a Cell Fallout, Bailey's uh, special chronicle on WWE Network, uh, a takeaway from Monday Night Raw, a few takeaways from AEW and NXT, and a big announcement at the end for uh, upcoming content on the show. So I'm very excited for that. And why don't we just jump right in, because, um, you know, I don't have ads or anything, so there is literally no reason to stop. So, without further ado, let's jump right into Hell in a Cell Fallout. I want to start this off by going over my predictions from last week, and I went 3 for 4, and I got Randy Orton wrong. So I thought Drew McIntyre was going to walk out, and still WWE Champion, so let's touch on that first. I don't really understand the move here because you you know you built up Drew for this long and we're getting to the point where you know you don't want to see this match anymore so what's the plan moving forward for Drew for Randy uh, I'm guessing the main goal here is to have a WWE championship match between Randy Orton and Edge down the line which, yes, that is a bigger money feud, but at the same time, you enter the same problem we've had in years past, where a feud is just fine without the title, but WWE takes the next step of adding the title just to enhance it, but it doesn't always enhance it. Uh, we can look at the Brock Lesnar and Goldberg feud a few years ago, because you know their feud was going pretty well, and they had the need to take the title off of Kevin Owens, the Universal Championship, put it on Goldberg just so it can get to Brock Lesnar. And I think that is fine, but at the same time, it's tough for the champion who's been carrying it for so long just to lose it all of a sudden. I think this is a little different because, you know, it's not Randy coming out of nowhere. Randy's had a pretty good year for the most part. But I just I just don't like the move. I think Drew had more to do as a champion. But my hope, my hope is that this is all just a setup for Drew to get that big moment in front of a crowd when the time comes. Because I think that's that's what he deserves. He deserves that big moment, uh, the crowning moment as the crowd cheers him as he wins the WWE Championship. And I wonder who he eventually takes that title from because to continue in the Hell in a Cell fallout, The Miz won the Money in the Bank briefcase from Otis. Thanks to Tucker, of course. But that really throws a cog into it because I don't think he's going to cash in on Roman. And I, re I do have a feeling that he could win the belt. Because, you know, Miz has done a lot for WWE over the years. And 
I've always felt they're going to repay him with a one more big title run. And if you're going to do it, you're going to you should do it with him, you know, cashing in, I think more than anything because that's kind of his perfect situation. I feel like money in the bank is made for people like the Miz, you know, it gives them a chance to become champion without winning a real match per se. Um, to win that title, and then they can, you know, cheat their way into keeping the title for a few months there like he did his first time. And I'm just wondering, is that who Drew's going to dethrone? Does he dethrone Randy, or does he dethrone Edge? I think it's a matter of who for Drew, because I think Drew's second run will come within the next year, and I hope that's the case, because he deserves that, and I think the win um, in front of people will be even better. So that's how I feel about, you know, that situation. And uh, moving on further into the Hell in a Cell fallout, I want to talk about the Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso Hell in a Cell I Quit match. Yes, that is a mouthful. There's a lot of things going on there. But it was great. It was great. It um, I still like their first match more, but I like the story they keep telling in these matches because... Roman Reigns has been phenomenal in every sense of the word since his return um, from being out all those months, you know, due to uh, COVID. Not that he had it, but, you know, he was doing it for his family. So that, of course, you totally understand that. Um, Reigns has been everything you want to see in him as a heel, I think, in my opinion, at least. And this match completely captured every side of Roman. It made you feel bad for him. It made you be angry at him. It made you question him. Like, there was a great story being told here by Roman Reigns and Jey Uso. And I think I have to give credit to Jey Uso, too, because I never I never knew he could do this, you know? He was always a great tag team wrestler, Jimmy. Uh, one of the best in WWE history, plain and simple. And now he's showing that, yeah, he can be a singles talent if given the chance. And it's almost like you want to cheer him on, you want to see him win something down the line, but he's not going to be the universal champion. That's where Roman Reigns belongs. And the part of the match where he was sitting there, um, you know, crying as Jimmy was talking to him, trying to you know bring his cousin back in, I thought that was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And, you know, Roman looked like he didn't know what to do, what was going wrong. And Jimmy was just so willing to, you know, bring him in, you know, stop the match just for Roman to, you know, bait him in just so he could choke him out with his new guillotine um, uh, submission. And I think that played a role into how good this was because then you know Jimmy not Jimmy Jay goes I quit I quit I stopped just let him go and I think that was really important and you know they were using their real names to make it real so you know uh Jimmy's calling himself John and um John and Joe for Roman like that it got real and I think sometimes in wrestling, it's right to go that real because it works so well. You look at the CM Punk and John Cena feud when Punk goes, this, uh, not this Punk, it's uh, CM, not Cena and 
Punk, Punk and Triple H, where they use their real names. This is uh, Phil Burke versus Paul Levesque. I think that adds an emphasis. And then you look at Alan Jones, a.k.a. AJ Styles versus Undertaker earlier this year, which also worked really well. Um, Alan Jones, Mark Calloway, I think that worked great. So as long as you don't go to the well too many times, it can be some great storytelling. And I think that's what we're seeing with Roman and the Usos. And now this week on SmackDown, Jey Uso will pay to those consequences that Roman stated last week on SmackDown, which was that he they the Usos will be kicked out of the family, the Simone dynasty. And we saw at the end of the Hell in Cell that um, the Wild Samoas crowned crowned Roman Reigns as the head of the table, as the tribal chief, and I think that was such a great way to finish that this uh, at the pay per view. And, you know, this clearly sets itself up to be Roman Reigns versus The Rock down the line. Nothing else, you know, nothing else tells that great of a story than this potential match in my eyes. And if they can get The Rock in, then that's great. But you don't want that match to go on in front of no fans. I think that's the number one thing. Nor do you want it to go on in a Thunderdome match. You need that at WrestleMania in front of fans in any way, shape, or form because that is the biggest match you have right now in this company. And I am all aboard on it as long as, you know, it gives Roman a big win and down the line, Big E is the one to dethrone Roman Reigns. I think that's very important to me because, you know, though I want the Rock and the Roman thing to happen, but I also want Big E's rise to continue. And I don't want to see him lose out because of the Rock. You know? It, I think that's fair. I think that's perfectly fair to want both. And it's possible to do both. If, if Big E doesn't get his WrestleMania moment per se, that's fine. It doesn't always have to happen in WrestleMania. But I do want... I do want the Rock part to happen... And I do want Big E to get his moment. So as long as we can figure that out, I'm cool with it. And this story has been a great part of SmackDown for, you know, the past two months or so. I'm interested to see what's next with the, you know, the Samoan Dynasty part. With Survivor Series here, that's going to throw a little cog in the system. But I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. So now I want to get to the last part of the Hell in a Cell fallout that I have, which, you know... It was a, it was something I predicted. It was something that you know s- delivered in every sense of the way, and it's worth talking about right now. So, Bailey and Sasha Banks did exactly what I said they would do. They stole the freaking show, and it saddens me that they couldn't do this match in front of a live audience or on the biggest stage of WrestleMania. But to me, this was, you know, the next biggest stage they could do it. Inside Hell in a Cell, this blood feud finally trickles over. And they had one of the best matches I've seen all year. And I think I've already went on record saying the best match in all of WWE this year. I think it was that good. These two tell stories inside the ring that no one else can tell. Because they have that relationship. They have that chemistry in the ring that only those two can have. And, you know, we've seen in history on WWE where 
you know, people just can't have a bad match together. You know, CM Punk and John Cena is probably one of the more recent ones. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, uh, Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks, even. They've had great matches. Sasha Banks and Charlotte have had great matches, but I think Bailey and, you know, Sasha trump them all, in a sense, because... You know, their track record is historic. That's what they are. They, you know, I've, I watched the Bailey Chronicle. I'm going to combine these two. Because I wanted to get a sense of who Bailey is before, you know, this story that they told. And I, let, me, let me go out and say you should absolutely watch the Bailey Chronicle. Not only because it's a good insight to who Bailey is, but, you know... You can, if you watch it, you automatically connect with her. Because the way she looks at pro professional wrestling is, you know, in a way, the way I look at it. And it's emotional. It It's there for you. Even when, you know, people look at you as weird. But that's, that's what we all, you know, combine on when it comes to professional wrestling. Yeah, sure, you can call us weird, but we love it. We love every second of it. It's, you know, the best it's special, and I think that's what's important here, is that professional wrestling brings us together. Like, there's a reason I'm doing this podcast, is to share with you people my thoughts on professional wrestling. You wouldn't listen to this if you didn't like professional wrestling, so that's us, you know, coming together. And I think another thing in Bailey's Chronicle that I got from, and don't get me wrong, I'm one of, if not the biggest Bailey fans you'll get to meet um, her, you know, I've just finished up a article on her that will be posted tomorrow at one, one o'clock Eastern it's time on last word on sports pro wrestling that, you know, really details how I feel about her reign as SmackDown Women's Champion. And I wanted to also, you know, watch it to get an understanding of what she was thinking during that whole run. And that's, I think, where we see this match work. Because Bailey went into, you know, talking about her relationship with Sasha and how it was kind of the match made in heaven, per se. Like, they're soulmates when it comes to in-ring psychology and what they're doing inside the squared circle. And you just see that every time they do it. Even their match, that was like a one-off on SmackDown. Um you know, that ended in disqualification was really good. Like, they just can't have a bad match together. And when when they're going, they are, you know, to me, the best. They are absolutely the best. They're, you can't beat their matches, in my eyes, when you let them go. And that's what we saw here at Hell in a Cell. They had some of the most uh, crafty and fresh moves and sequences I've seen inside Hell in a Cell, which is really tough because we've seen so many Cell matches by now that it's hard to be unique, but that's what they did. Um, some meteors that Sasha hit, I thought Bailey's going to, you know, get knocked out. Um, the way they utilized tables and weapons, it was all so good. And the ending was perfect in my eyes, you know. They, Sasha ends up using that chair that Bailey's been carrying around, wraps it around her neck, locks in the bank statement, and then starts jamming on the chair. And that's a that's a throwback to their Iron Woman match in NXT where Bailey made Sasha submit. 
by um, continuously jamming on her arm. And I think that that was such a great callback that not a lot of people probably recognize. But they, they have this ability to create magic in the squared circle of professional wrestling. And that's what they did here. It, it's by far my WWE match of the year. It's up there for one of my favorite matches of the year because that's, in the end, what Sasha and Bayley are able to do. They're able to tell a story while having just this kick-ass wrestling match. I think that's what's so important to me. Um, I, I've been supporters of them all year. I'm so happy they got this chance to run the shows, essentially, you know, when Roman and Charlotte and Becky have left. I've really talked about that because they WWE needed to believe in someone and they believed in the right people in my eyes. They believed in two women that have been prepped and ready for that role. For a long time, everyone thought and knew Bailey could be that babyface women's champion for the future that Becky Lynch ended up being. And everyone always thought Sasha Banks could be the heel of that, you know, the top heel that Charlotte is. Or, you know, was. And they did that together. They ended up being the heels together. And they turned it around into a feud where Sasha ended up being the babyface. And Charlotte ended up being the heel. Which is crazy. Because it's the reverse roles of what we thought. But that's how good they are as professional wrestlers. And I just wanted to talk about that. You know, you guys probably get sick of me talking about Sasha and Bailey already. In these few weeks I've been back. But I'm sorry. They just continue to do the best work around. And, you know, that's what I love about it. So, their Hell in a Cell match was absolutely out of this world. Highly recommend anyone goes back and watch it. Highly recommend anyone goes and watch Bailey's Chronicle. It's such a great deep look into um, her life. You know, it's only 29 minutes long, so it's not even long. It's not even that long, but that's something WWE always does well is, you know, make those videos, make those documentary series so definitely check that out check the match out and that's that's what i have for hell and self fallout now we'll jump into monday night raw which you know monday night raw to me this week had a lot of nothing but it did have one big thing which is you know setting us up for the future but before i go into what i want to talk about on raw i feel like it's good to talk about the, you know, WWE's move to pretty much get rid of or suspend their wrestlers' Twitch streams and all that because I just saw a video, literally mid-recording, of Paige in tears on her Twitch stream as she's learning that, you know, WWE's somehow suspending their account, her account. And I think that... You know, if anything should speak to fans and say, enough is enough. More people need to reach out. More people need to get in WWE's face because these wrestlers that they have contracted as independent contractors should not have to lose their right to stream and make more money because that's what their contract says. Independent contractor should allow them to do whatever they want. And the fact that WWE is stopping them is ridiculous. And the fact that we have to see Paige in tears is even more ridiculous. She shouldn't have to cry over this job that, you know, was one time a dream. She shouldn't. And I just wanted to touch on that real quick because, you know, we need 
That's a change. WWE needs to let up because I also saw AJ Styles' message of him saying goodbye. And I just think it's ridiculous that these people have to completely flip and stop streaming because, you know, that that's just not what's fair. They do that as a hobby, not anything else. They enjoy it. They enjoy connecting with their fans that way. And I think this needs to stop. It needs to stop because it's disgusting. You can't take away your own wrestlers' livelihoods and enjoyment. That's just ridiculous. You can't do that, and you need to change this now. So I just wanted to say that real quick before getting into the one raw thought I had, which was the Build for Survivor Series kicking off on Monday Night Raw. We didn't know if NXT would be involved and we now know they will not be. It will be Raw versus SmackDown once again. Completely understandable. Uh, I've seen reports that you know they didn't want to cross contaminate per se with the NXT and WWE uh, like WWE main roster because of the COVID outbreak. Supposedly NXT had another COVID outbreak, and I think that. You know, kind of was clear on NXT this week. So I will explain how I think that was a possibility. But I'm okay with it because the matches we have on tap are great. The only match I'm upset about is the women's championship, you know, match. Because I feel like Asuka versus Io Shirai versus Sasha Banks would have kicked all sorts of ass. That would have been the match of the night, end of story. But, you know, Asuka versus Sasha against good because it's, you know, a little bit different between the two. Maybe they'll have a little more respect, and I think that'll be an interesting match either way. But, you know, we're going to have Randy Orton versus Roman Reigns on tap, which is interesting because I don't I don't know what way they go with that, you know, because they're both heels, and they both play these, you know, maniacal characters right now, and I think that'll be interesting to see them, you know, compete against each other, unless one of them loses the title, of course. Um, then we have... Probably my favorite of the championship, uh, champion versus championship matches, which is the tag team titles, the New Day versus the Street Profits. That match is going to deliver. They like, I don't even think that's a question. It's going to be fun to see these two go head to head because you know, it's going to be the only time because they got sent to separate brands for a reason to lead those divisions. And you know, the idea of Montez Ford, Angelo Dawkins, Xavier Woods, and Kofi Kingston all, you know, squaring off is very exciting. And I think that match will be absolutely fantastic. And that's that's a situation, actually, where I'm happy NXT's not involved. No offense to Tony Lorcan and Danny Burch, but I feel like that uh, 2v2 match is far more enticing than adding those to it. And then, you know, we got Bobby Lashley versus Sami Zayn, unless, you know, one of them lose the title. That's fine. I don't have uh, any problem with that. Should be interesting. Just don't bring up their history, please, because that's not good against each other. And then you have, of course, the fantastic uh, traditional tag team matches, which, you know, never seem to fail in my eyes. I feel like they're always entertaining. They're always top-notch. And so far, we know Raw's women's team, as of this, you know, recording, Raw's women's team is the... 
WWE Women's Tag Team Champions Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, uh, along with Mandy Rose, Dana Brooke, and Lana. So that's a team. Um, I see, you know, I can see Nia and Bailey, not Bailey, Nia and Sa- uh, Shayna Baszler. Did I say Bailey earlier? Either way, I meant Shayna Baszler and Nia, not Bailey. If I said Bailey, that's my bad. I can see Nia and Shayna Baszler, though, winning the match for Raw or costing each other the match. Like, I can see it go either way. That leads to their tag team turmoil down the, you know, line. And then the men's team, we saw three people qualify, which include AJ Styles, Keith Lee, and Sheamus. I think that's a fantastic three. Um, You know, AJ Styles beat Jeff Hardy. Keith Lee destroyed Elias, and Sheamus defeated um, Matt Riddle, uh, or, sorry, as he's now known as just Riddle, in a fantastic singles match. I think that's a really good team so far for Raw. I'm interested to see who finishes off that team. I wonder if they dare, you know, put The Fiend in there or Drew McIntyre. I think Drew McIntyre has to be on that team. And they probably might put Braun Strowman, so that team's going to be Top notch. And then you got SmackDown, which is going to be interesting. And I always love these, you know, brand versus brand uh, Survivor Series matches. I think that's what's made Survivor Series a must-see pay-per-view again the past couple years. So I'm happy we're kind of going back to SmackDown versus Raw because, you know, NXT had such a great showing last year. But you had to know, you had to know that if they were in it this year, they were not going to have the same success. So I'm kind of okay with that not being part of the situation this year. Um, I'm excited for Survivor Series. I always am. I'm excited to see what matches, you know, what competitors enter these tag team matches, and it should be fun. So, and, you know, I'll have that preview, you know, when the time comes. But here here we're going to talk about AEW now. We're going to take a shift to AEW before talking about NXT because AEW was really good this week. I mean, they lost in the viewership, and I understand why because NXT, I thought, was the better show this week, but it was still very enjoyable. I think AEW has figured out a certain plan in uh, the past couple weeks, at least in my eyes, to keep me interested in it. It's that tag team tournament that has been awesome, and I think I really do enjoy the... Jericho MJF stuff to a point. So let's talk about Jericho versus MJF. That is going to be happening next weekend at Full Gear. Um, it's an interesting match. It's not what I expected. It's two heels going head to head with the stipulation that if MJF wins, he joins the inner circle. I'm really wondering what the idea is there. <laughs> Because do they want MJF in the inner circle? Do... I don't... Okay, so I'm a big idealist here that the inner circle can end at any time. But adding MJF adds a certain, you know, difference behind it. Uh, a little change that I think I think the group needs to stay interesting. So I'm wondering, does MJF pull off the win by cheating? Leading to a further feud between the two? Because... I could also see MJF trying to take leadership in the inner circle. I think that's something that's also enticing. So 
this is an interesting story to follow. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, that's something I just want to touch on. The town hall was pretty entertaining for the most part. Um, some of it was meh. But I think it's really interesting how, you know, everyone but Jericho pretty much wants MJF not to join in the inner circle. So I think that's pretty, uh, it's a pretty interesting story to tell. And I wonder if Jericho ends up being the one kicked out for MJF to replace him. That's also something I'm thinking about. So there's a lot of ways they could go here. I'm very interested, you know, go with the Jericho baby face, which, you know, I always think he's good at that. He's good at whatever he does, but it'll be interesting to see. Um, I wanted to talk about Wardlow, MJF's, you know, lackey of the past few past year or so you know they've been you know together Wardlow is an absolute beast he had his match with Hangman Page and I was really impressed with the what he's able to do in there considering his name wasn't well known when he signed with AEW and I don't know how you don't make him a champion within the next year he has pretty much everything you need or want from him and I'm interested to see what the rivalry, per se, will be between him and MJF down the line. Because clearly they're leading to a split. Um, MJF, you know, said that if Wardlow wins the AEW World title, then he's the AEW World title. Because he pretty much said he essentially owns Wardlow. And Wardlow's like, I don't know about that, buddy, but okay. He just said yes and moved on. So, I think that's a story I'm also interested in. And I don't love MJF as, like, in-ring pers- uh, personality. I think the best way, if they do split him and Wardlow, is Wardlow just to decimate him inside that ring. That's what they got to do. Because Wardlow is an absolute beast. He is a future world champion in this company. Any other way is wrong. Um, I've seen, you know, people online say he could be their version of Goldberg or someone like that, and that would be interesting. That's, um, he's better as an in-ring performer, I think, than Goldberg ever was already. But I, I understand the idea of having him just dominate and wins, and that's something he's done. He's had matches end without even having to pin people, so I'm very much looking forward to that. And now we're on to the Kenny Omega versus Penta S0M match, or as I like to call him, Pentagon Jr., because that's his name. And I want to talk about the LWOS shout-out. For those of you that have not figured out what LWOS is, last word on sports, got the shout-out during Kenny Omega's entrance as we were quoted to be calling Kenny Omega a legend. And I also learned I'm the one that wrote that article. So that was pretty cool for me. That was pretty cool for me. That was pretty cool for the site. Um, I was really happy to see it because, you know, this this last word on sports is where I've really learned how to write and become a wrestling personality, per se, you know, in, in my articles and on Twitter and through this podcast. It's been something I've really worked on over the past year plus we're nearing two years in January. I'm so happy to see us recognized in the same sentence as, you know, or the same combination as ESPN. I think they, the work that the writers do at Last Word in Sports is incredible from, you know, every sport they do. And I just am so proud of, you know, the multiple 
inclusions we've had with brands. We've been included in a Sasha, uh, Shayna Baszler um, promo on NXT back when she was champion. And uh, I believe we've been included in some Lucha Underground commercial. And now this. This was awesome. This was, you know, part of AEW, which is one of the big, biggest wrestling companies in the world. And I think that's a testament to the work we all do. And I love the team. I love everyone that works hard there. So I just wanted to, you know, give some praise to everyone, you know, for the hard work helping me develop into this writer there that, you know, without them, I don't think I get it. And, you know, that's going to be where I go. But, yeah, that's that was really cool. And now I want to talk about the match between Pentagon and Kenny because it was supposed to be Kenny Omega versus Phoenix. And an injury to Phoenix, an injury scare per se, kept them out and entered Pentagon into the match, which, you know, to me isn't really that much of a downgrade. If not, it's just a different style that's going to deliver. That's what I saw it as, and... That's what it did. So these two had a battle, which, you know, I would say is the second best match of the tournament so far, you know, behind Pentagon and Phoenix's match from last week. And Omega's Omega's new character, new persona, fits him like a glove. It's been so good to see him, you know, pull from his cleaner gimmick from New Japan and his best belt machine gimmick, and just know that, yeah, I am the best, and it's time that I'm recognized as that again. I think that's been a great, great run, and, you know, of course he beat Pentagon, so we're getting to the point of my frustration now that I want to talk about of, can we please start getting Pentagon and Phoenix wins not against each other? Because these two are the most talented guys, I said it last week, that AEW doesn't use, in my opinion. I mean, we can go on and on about their women's division, how they don't use any of them correctly. But this is about Pentagon and Phoenix. The Lucha Bros deserve to have shine. They should have been tag team champions by now. That didn't happen. So, you know, separating them, letting them shine is really important to me. And, you know, I love Eddie Kingston. I'm happy he's getting this big title match. But... To me, you know, down the line, you need to let Pentagon and Phoenix get these world title matches on pay-per-views because there's a good chance they're not going to be on the full gear pay-per-view, and that's another reason why, like, handle them well. They're stars. Pentagon fills into that heel void really well, and Phoenix could be possibly your biggest babyface if you let him. So, very interested to see what we do. I could see Phoenix versus Kenny Omega for the AEW world title down the line, say if Kenny does win the tournament and the title from John Moxley because, you know, we never got this match. Never got it. So it's really interesting to think, hey, we could, you know, see this in a different light. And I think that's, you know, something I welcome. Um, this match was really good. My only frustration with it was there was a sequence in here where Pentagon hits a Canadian Destroyer onto the outside, rolls Kenny in the ring just to hit a package pile driver, and Kenny kicks out. Like, why do we have to hit Bolt if he's going to kick out? Why? Why? Why, why, why? Because then you're making most of most of uh, Pentagon's moveset kind of weak-looking. And these are two moves that aren't weak-looking. They should end matches, no doubt. 
So that's my only frustration with the match, you know, because Pentagon, Pentagon's so good, and he's so cool, and I just want him to succeed. I want Phoenix to succeed, and, you know, I knew Kenny was going to win this match, so it's fine, but have him kick out a one, you know, not two, back-to-back. That's just, that's just a no-no to me. I think that's my only complaint from that match. Otherwise, it was very entertaining, um, awesome stuff, and, you know, that's my takeaways from AEW this week. Next week, I'm going to have full gear, uh, full gear predictions, so that's going to be really fun, because full gear is looking like their best show of the year on paper, so that's really exciting. So let me now talk about the winner of the week, NXT, and this week was a very, very special week on the black and yellow, black and gold, well, you want to call it brand because it was Halloween Havoc. The return of Halloween Havoc for the first time in years. The set was pretty sweet. They had the big pumpkin. I mean, it was inflatable for a reason, as we saw, you know, very quickly. But everyone seemed to have this big fight feel about them. And I think that's what I enjoy about these specials that NXT are, are doing on TV. And I think that's necessary for the amount of takeovers they have per year to do these specials. You know, we had the Great American Bash. Now we had Halloween Havoc, which I think Havoc was better than the Bash in in a way. And the Halloween Havoc absolutely delivered in every sense of the way, and there's a reason they won in the viewers this week. It was a better show, and there are weeks where NXT is not the better show, and they do lose. And it's most weeks that, you know, neither show is not, you know, out of this world, and it was nice to see NXT give this full effort that they can do, because it felt like an NXT show, it felt like an old-fashioned NXT show that carried that weight, carried that special feeling, and, you know, we have a new NXT North American champion, we're gonna kick off right with that, Johnny Gargano won the title in the first match, um, as I said, the inflatable pumpkin was a thing for a reason, because Johnny absolutely just destroyed it right off the bat, that was pretty freaking funny, and I thought this match was really good. And we had a masked figure in both this and the Io Shirai versus Candice match. And I think this is where the COVID possible outbreak that we've heard at the PC comes into play. Because they didn't unmask either person. Or if it was the same person, they didn't unmask them. And I think that's probably because the person that it is, which at least for the women's match is Indy Hartwell, clearly... Perhaps she, I'm not, I don't want to spread anything, but I don't, I don't know who it's supposed to be. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe they didn't have the person there because of close contact or something. So that's what I'm wondering. But I also don't think you needed to reveal that. And I think I saw people not loving, you know, Damian Priest losing already. And I get that. I get that. But at the same time, if you're going to keep Johnny Gargano on NXT, you need to have him win something. And I think this was that time where him winning this match was probably the best choice. Him being the first ever two-time NXT North American champion is interesting to me. And I'm wondering, do they have Bronson Reed down the line take the title from him? Because I always thought Cameron Grimes was going to take the title from Damian Priest. So I'm interested to see where this goes. Who takes the championship away from Johnny Gargano? Because Johnny Gargano 
you know, he's finally, I think him and Candace have really started to figure out their heel roles more and more, and I think they are working well off together. Um, they had very cool Nightmare Before Christmas attire, which, you know, was really festive for the Halloween night. And I thought that match was actually really good between, you know, Johnny and Damon Priest, so I wanted to touch on that. Um, this is something I meant to talk about last week, and it was to praise Dakota Kai for who she has become on NXT television because I really thought she was a babyface that could, you know, turn it into her advantage, become champion because she's a great underdog. But her heel work has been awesome, and I think her matches or her upcoming match with Ember Moon next week will be sweet. And I love, I really do love Dakota Kai. She's one of my favorites. Um, she She's a pure human being. So it's really hard to you know see her as this heel, but she's very good at it. So um, applause to her. Wanted to give her a little praise. Um, I want to give also praise to Shotzi Blackheart, who absolutely slayed as the host of Halloween Havoc. I think something important is that usually when you do these host things for certain shows, they don't really deliver. I mean, in my mind, the host usually is useful for like a segment, and then they're forgotten. But Shotzi really played this well. You know, she had multiple outfit changes through the night. Um, she had her hair in like all up. And it was awesome, and she was very awesome in this. And you know, Shotzi is a is a person that I think is going to have so much success in NXT. If she's the one that beat Io, I would be fine with that because I think Shotzi is a favorite for fans. Something, someone they can connect with. You know, because. She's said she's always been, you know, different, and I think that's what makes her so special. She, She's able, she has that connectability that, you know what, she beats by her own drum. She's she's different, and I think that's what makes her so great. So, um, yeah, she was awesome as the host, and if we're going towards, you know, Candace. So I was thinking about this last yesterday of what could be the direction for war games if they wanted to and i think i think um you know after that after that fantastic Rhea ripley versus uh raquel gonzalez match and you know the upcoming dakota kai and ember moon match if they're going to do war games again the men's match is clear to me i'm about to get that to a second but i want to talk about the women's match real quick i feel like an idea here, at least. I don't know if they want to have EO defend the title or be inside war games, but you have two sides. You have Rhea Ripley, Shotzi, Ember Moon, EO, and I think that's I think those were the four that I was thinking against Raquel, Dakota. Candice, and maybe you give that spot to Indy Harwell? Because I think if you're going to do war games, you should, you know, continuously have these women's and men's matches on both sides. And I think they have the story here where, you know, you want to combine this and put the good versus the bad. And I don't know if they're going to do war games this year. There's no necessary indication but based on the men's feud that we're seeing right now i think that's where we're headed and i think that could be interesting and i i really don't i just want the women 
to get the equal chance to shine. Because to me, their War Games match last year was just as good, if not better, because it made Rhea Ripley a star, and I think that's what we can do again this year. Um, and to the men's thing, so the Undisputed Era has been every single men's War Games match since it returned. And that's clearly the direction we're going right now, if that's the case. Because Pat McAfee, as I said last week, returned. He's making his own gimmick. Clearly, Ridge Holland was supposed to be in it. He uh, confirmed that to us in a way. And then, you know, Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch have been the beneficiaries of that. So, right now, we knew... So, before this week, we knew it was Pat and Oni and Danny. But the returning Pete Dunne was here. And Pete Dunn is shredded out of his mind. Let me let me applaud him there, okay? Very good. Uh his work during COVID has been phenomenal. Like don't get me wrong, he wasn't in bad shape before, but this man is just ripped and lean out of his mind, so good for him. And you know, he came in to help Kyle O'Reilly who was trying to stand up for his fallen brothers and uh Pete Dunn ended up nailing nailing O'Reilly in the back and the with the steel chair and aligning himself with McAfee, Birch, and Lorkin. And I think that's a very interesting group. I don't want Pete Dunne to play second fiddle to anyone, especially Pat McAfee, but I think this is a good good role for him, you know, if, especially if we're heading towards war games because I think, I think those three are going to do great in that match. You know, we've seen Pete in that match already. And... It's interesting to see McAfee get this shine because I think his promo work is so good that, you know, he can represent these three. Even though Pete Dunne's a good promo himself, I like the group. I like the idea of the group. I like the difference. He, he took UK guys, per se, because, you know, Lorcan and Birch have been involved on UK a decent amount and, you know, Dunne clearly has too. He took UK guys, brought them over essentially, and, you know, he's like, all right, we're going to make this work, and I think that's really good. And you know, I'm, I, I can't wait for the undisputed era to return. That's going to be exciting when the time comes, because they're playing the babyface role for the first time together, and I think that's really cool. Uh, the la- so the last thing I want to talk about on the Halloween Havoc show was Eo versus Candice. They stole the show. They had a tables, ladders, and scares match with, you know, TLC. And Candace had some bumps here that, you know, no person should offer up anyways. But at her size, you got absolutely even more scared because you're like, oh my god. She went crashing from the top of a ladder through a, through a ladder. And these two have some of the best chemistry we've seen, you know. Especially for, you know, not prior to, at least from my knowledge, wrestling that much prior to their time in NXT. And it's been very impressive. Um, Their match back in Toronto was great last year. And then their two this year have been awesome as well. And I think think something I wanted to say was, you know, NXT's won viewership only a few handful of times this year from AEW. But usually the benefit... The reason they win is Io Shirai being in that main event. It's almost always 
the case when she faced Sasha. Um, there's a no, there's a few other stuff where she she is the reason, and I think you know Halloween Havoc was a better show overall, but it's in the it's in the it's in the writing, it's in the viewership. Like you see, Io Shirai do this do this um, you know gives NXT this advantage on most weeks. So I think that's a credit to her star power. A credit to what she's done. And there's a reason that she retained the title even though Johnny Gargano won the NXT North America title. Because, you know, once he won that, I was like, oh, so they're going with the double champion, like the uh, married champions, which I would have been, you know, I would have got in a sense. But I didn't want to see Io lose. She didn't deserve to lose. She's had a great run. And, you know, she's had a lot of great matches as the champion. And I wanted to continue on. So... I liked the match a lot. It was one of the best of the month. Um, one of the more fun ones in NXT this year. And, you know, Io Shirai is a star. She is everything that's good with wrestling. And, you know, I, I wanted to just add this here. I didn't get to talk about stardom this week. I didn't get to watch much. So we'll be back, you know, with the stardom section next week. Don't you worry. Uh... But I just want to say that. And now I want to really quickly talk about the direction of NXT. Because I think that's important. Because, you know, we haven't seen Finn in a few weeks as we await his jaw, uh, his surgery on his jaw, which he, I believe it's his jaw, that he got, um, he had to get fixed after his match with Kyle Riley. And there's a rumor going around that Karrion Cross is not only near, but perhaps he's fully healed. And if that's the case, Finn Balor's title run will be a short-lived one. Because Karrion Cross is a guy that I feel like a lot of people have forgotten about because of his injury. This was supposed to be his age of NXT. It was going to be something to behold, and we never got that. So I think... I think I'm interested to see where the direction of the NXT men's division goes. And, you know, for the women's division, they have so many incredible talents right now. You know, when they added Ember Moon, they started giving shine more and more to, you know, Shotzi Blackheart, Indy Hartwell. Like, they are they are in this point where they can't go wrong. They lost Tegan Knox, and yet they just have so much talent that it's almost going unnoticeable, which is crazy. And I, I'm very much looking forward to where NXT is going. I like what they're doing with the Undisputed Era. I don't mind Gargano winning. And I love, okay, so I, I want to say this. I've been very adamant on, like, okay, I'm kind of sick of Gargano and Champa, but within, like, a few weeks span, they've fixed that. Champa's whole gimmick now is to kind of be the proving point in NXT, and he's going after Velveteen Dream to you know make him pay, and I think that's something that a lot of people can get behind. And then you know Gargano winning the title, he's been really good as this comedic heel, and I think I think it's good to see where he goes with this. So I'm not gonna you know get mad about that. Otherwise, you know NXT's. NXT's really turning the corner. I think they've turned the corner since they 
crowned, you know, Finn as their champion. Even when Karrion and Keith Lee were going at it, I think there was a corner being turned there. But the past few weeks have been really good. And I'm excited to see where we go, because their non-involvement in Survivor Series creates an interesting path that they can do with their sh- uh, their shows moving forward. Um, you know, they're, they're trusting in them to keep delivering, and I think that's great. And so we get to the end of the show, and an announcement I wanted to make. So I, you know, when I came back, I said, you know, I'm going to start covering, I'm going to mostly cover... WWE, AEW, um, I, we could say NXT, I count that as WWE, stardom, like a lot of stardom, and I didn't get any this week, so, you know, push that to next week, but I'm gonna start having this bonus, bonus, um, section of the podcast, and it's going to be based around the hit you know, I say hit show because it was so popular for professional wrestling fans, and that's Lucha Underground. Today, as of this recording, is the 6th anniversary of the season premiere, and I started watching it on Tubi TV. It's available there for free if anyone wants to watch it. And I'm going back, and I'm, I'm watching it for the first time. So I'm going to, you know, try to throw in some content from week to week about what I'm watching on the show as we speak. Because, you know, some of the stuff there really changed the game to what we're seeing now. And I think that's really important. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that. Otherwise, you know, what to expect next week is full gear, a full gear preview and predictions. Um, more on, you know, NXT and SmackDown and Raw as we build for Survivor Series. And the return of Stardom Talk. So... That's that's the show for this week. I hope you all enjoy it. Please make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scotty Wrestling. Uh, yeah, because I couldn't get wrestling, so it's wrestling. Um, and then definitely, you know, keep following me on uh, my articles at um, at lastwordonsports.com slash pro wrestling. You can see all my articles and all the wonderful articles of the talented individuals that work there. It's some of the, it's the best team. Really, you know, when it comes to professional wrestling writing, we care. And, you know, we all like certain certain stories and we learn from each other. So I think that's something that you guys should be interested in. And that's where this website is. So, I mean, that's where this podcast is also located. So, you know, if you're watching me from there, you already know. If you're not, then check it out. Otherwise, I'm Scott. Scotty Wrestling, as wrestling as I like to call myself. This was the Wrestling with Edwards podcast, and we will see you next week. Have a good one, everyone.